everyone. Welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast brought to you by TUMI, the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. Public transport remains the backbone of mobility systems in major cities around the world. And as urbanization continues, the formal and informal public transport services in megacities grow and change constantly. What is key to utilizing the full potential of public transport and to increase its attractiveness for commuters is information about how and where these services can be accessed or even where they are currently obstructed. So I sat down with Devin de Vries, the CEO and co-founder of Where's My Transport, a mobility technology company that develops products to improve the public transport experience in emerging market megacities. Based in London, Devon leads a global team inspired by a shared vision of improving public transport understanding in the majority world. Let's listen in to learn what he has to tell us about the challenges and opportunities of comprehensive mobility data. Hi, Devon. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, lovely to be with you, Lena. So to kick off, tell us a little bit about your fascination with mobility data. Where does this interest come from and why is this topic particularly relevant in cities in the global south? My journey with uh, informal transportation and, uh, should I say, emerging markets uh, really began in childhood. Uh, I was born in South Africa and grew up there the first 30 years of, of my life. And so My lived experience was one of facing mobility challenges in my immediate environment. And one of the things I was able to quickly recognize uh, when I was fortunate enough to travel abroad was that the lived experience of public transportation within South Africa or within what I quickly came to understand as the, the global uh, majority world context was fundamentally different from the public transport experience of a commuter in a developed market. And so that, uh, given that my background is actually uh, that of an engineer, computer science engineer, I, uh, I really found this a, a meaningful problem to tackle and one that I felt like collectively we would be able to solve. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really where it all began. Um, from inspired by a lived experience. And why is mobility data in itself even more relevant in what you just referred to also as the majority world? Why is it so important there to have this mobility data at hand? So I recognize we may have very different audiences listening uh, to this podcast conversation. Um, you know, in, in emerging markets, The public transit system, uh, unlike in its developed market counterpart, tends not to be entirely centrally operated and uh, subsidized like your, your bus and your train systems in your developed market cities. But rather, in an emerging market city, you still have the formal transit system, the buses and the trains. Uh, however, you also have uh, the mass majority of the system that is informally run by independent operators that are like private business owners, and they tend not to be subsidized by the government. So effectively, what you have is uh, community-coordinated uh, transportation that is, can I call it demand-responsive, as in it doesn't operate to a timetable, but rather um, a there is a variation of uh, vehicle frequency at different times of the day based on the amount of demand and number of people that need to that need to move about and 
The challenge that this more decentralized public transport network presents is that unlike in a developed market city where all of the information for the transportation services is centrally held, uh, in these markets, the combination of centralized and decentralized transportation means that there is often not any central source of ground truth as to the transportation options that are available to the commuters. And so a huge amount of the information doesn't really exist in a tangible form, but rather more in the minds of people, in the minds of the community. And so people understand their, their route that they would use on a daily basis. And maybe they've got uh, the route to church and the route to their local grocer and the route to their grandmother. But outside of those typical routes and their, and their, and their work routes, uh, people tend not to actually understand what all the options are within these public transport networks. And just to you know, highlight the scale of what I'm referring to, in emerging markets today, in cities, we have over 2 billion people that are utilizing public transportation. And typically what you'll see within these emerging market cities is anything from 60 to 80 and even sometimes north of that, a percent of the transit system is this decentralized, uh, informally run transit system. And so it's a huge uh, percentage of the transit system's information uh, that is inaccessible and incomplete. And uh, when you are able to find it, often it's crowdsourced and outdated. And so this was a, we felt like this was a really good problem to, to solve because at the end of the day, these markets are, they're actually asset rich. They have remarkable interconnected transit systems that get to every periphery and all of the, the peri-urban areas where people commute from on a daily basis, many of them you know, facing the longest commute journeys in the world, especially when compared to a developed market uh, commuter's average travel time. Uh, and so, yeah, through the access to information, without investing more in the assets, without trying to change the transit system, we're first trying to reveal how it works and just make it more accessible and easier to use, both by the daily commuter um, but also better understood by private organizations who are trying to provision services within these markets but uh, lack the necessary data or information to inform their, their products and services through to the governments and the states who are looking to uh, invest within the infrastructure and to improve it. You, it's very hard to improve something that you can't see or don't fully understand. And so we're just trying to enable all of these actors to work from a baseline of truth. So you've highlighted how big actually that part of public transport is, you know, the part that's decentralized and how important it is for everyday uh, yeah, mobility of, of everyone living in big cities. And so I'm wondering, since it's so fluid, like you described just now, how do you gather informal transport data that is then reliable, seeing as it can change, you know, from day to day? Yes, uh, absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, we, we've now mapped over 40 cities around the world and the process by which and the methodology by which we, we map and now maintain these data sets uh, within these markets has evolved with every single one of those data collections. So it's very much been a process of, of learning and evolution and that has not stopped. Uh, we are in the pursuit of the perfect uh, transit data set that is absolutely current, up-to-date, complete and accurate. 
And we've come from a world where there was essentially no complete transit data sets for any emerging market city to speak of. Uh, some of them have had more complete data sets. Um, however, before Where Is My Transport, we had not come across a absolute and complete data set representing all modes of transportation uh, in the public transport uh, sector uh, for any of these of these cities. And so that's sort of a, a, an important point to highlight as where we started from and the global reality that existed around us at that, at that point in time. Um, so yeah, we, we began by um, uh, mapping the informal transit networks. Uh, however, as I was sort of mentioning to you before we, we kicked off the, the, uh, the conversation was the formal transport networks themselves, even that information tends to be incomplete and poorly managed. Um, and often it's run, you know, these services are provisioned by legacy uh, transit operators that have been around for many, many, many decades. And so even when you speak to these transit operators, they'll often tell you, oh, um, the information exists, but it's in the minds of their employees as opposed to actually written down and, and codified anywhere. And so given the fact that both formal and informal transportation uh, both suffer with the same challenge of incomplete and inaccurate information uh, representing the services that they provide, our approach to any city is to start assuming zero, uh, assuming that we don't know anything about the transit network, assuming that all of the data that uh, we are able to ad hoc get together is going to be incomplete, it's going to be out of date. And so the methodology uh, that we've built up is actually one of mapping all modes of transportation, whether they be formal or, or informal. And um, the way that we do it is uh, by hiring local individuals who tend to be daily public transport users. Uh, so they are naturally familiar with the transit system in their city. We also try and um, hire people that are dispersed uh, from different uh, corners of the city, uh, recognizing you can live in uh, any of these major cities your entire life and only have traveled some small fraction of the city. And we recognize that there's an incredible degree of localization in the way these networks operate. And so, yeah, we hire up these individuals. We train them in utilizing our tools and executing our data collection methodology. And we quite literally ride all of the transit uh, network in a city, collecting up information that spans the origin destination point of the of the travel paths, the variability and frequency at different times of the day, uh, the fares, uh, the stops, both formal and informal stopping points, and you know their formal as well as their colloquial names, and uh, and range of other data attributes that are also directly linked to the transit data, but also adjacent to the transit data that could facilitate bringing these data sets to life and making them more useful for different users of the, of the data. As I mentioned, it's useful to you know, both the commuter, but also to private companies that wish to um, power products and services, and then the governments who wish to inform decision-making. And so um, that process doesn't end there, though. After we have you know, ridden the entire network, collected everything up, um, the team, uh, you know, there are two, two teams that are essentially working together, one being the collections team that's on the ground, 
Then also there's a processing team that's actually working on backend tools that are, are receiving all of the data from all these various nodes in the city and uh, validating and uh, cleaning the data in order to ultimately publish it. What we then do is we go into an ongoing maintenance um, process whereby uh, a team is actually kept active on the ground in these markets. Uh, those teams are responsible for both uh, continuing to run collection teams on the ground uh, that are riding these transport networks on a daily basis, but also that are building relationships throughout the city so that we are connected up with the uh, vehicle owners, with the vehicle associations, with the transport operators, uh, with their dispatching uh, departments. So we actually very much embed ourselves into the market so that for those that are interacting with where is my transport in Mexico City, in Dakar, in Gauteng, it's very much the team they're engaging with is from that place, speaks that language, and you know is able to feel like... Uh, in Mexico City, as an example, they refer to a true a true citizen of Mexico City as a Chilango. And so, you know, what we want is to feel Chilango to people that are working with us, engaging with our data, that they don't feel like it's a foreign company trying to come in and solve a problem, but very much our approach is one that is hyper-localized and working with people in that place that know that place and that also care about improving the quality of life in that place. And um, I can't understate the importance of that hyper-localization and tapping into uh, the fact that people feel very um, impassioned about and empowered with the ability to actually map these networks and make that information available to others. I was exactly going to ask you about the role of community participation in your data collection process. But I think, I mean, you touched very much upon that by by highlighting this level of ownership also, you know, the, the interest of the people supporting the data collection and how much it adds to the quality if there is a, a bigger buy-in by the people really working on the ground. So I think that's a very interesting approach. And connecting to it, I'd like to ask you for the wider stakeholder network that you're looking at when you really want to, you know, so to speak, bring life and purpose to the collection of data, who else do you think needs to be on board also speaking from your experience Who do you need on board besides the community um, actors and support team that you have on the ground to really then get that meaningful data that you need in the end? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we'll work with stakeholders that span um, across the transit ecosystem. So we will engage with the transport authority in a city. We will engage with the uh, formal transport operators in the city. Um, often cities also have teams of people that are deployed to tend to citizens that are passing through major transport interchanges and hubs. We will also dial ourselves into into those networks. And uh, then there's also just private you know, groups that are advocates and you know, mobility communities. And uh, there we'll also tap into those communities in order to empower them with Uh, the ability to add to, edit the information, provide feedback uh, against the the transit the transit data sets. But um, yeah, it's at, at the end of the day, it's about embedding yourself in in the place that you that you're working in. And as I mentioned, the the data is useful for a variety of stakeholders. And so um, you know, you've got 
on, on the one end of the spectrum, the transit authorities, the transit operators, uh, the government who will use the data, anything from informing planning and decision making and how to adjust the transit networks. But in some cases, also uh, those central bodies are interested in actually providing commuter information services. And in those situations, we're also able to be very helpful to them. And I think, you know, some of our backstory and we used to work a lot more closely actually with the city governments to provision uh, these applications and data platforms uh, within within their market. Um, there's also the private sector who is increasingly waking up to uh, the incredible growth opportunities that exist within these markets. And, you know, that's great. Uh, commercial interests obviously driving them towards uh, looking to expand into many of these markets. However, it's very hard for them to have good visibility of um, what is happening on the ground. How are people moving? And so our data is able to help a, a range of private sector uh, organizations that some wish to simply analyze people movement and analyze where people are moving from, where they're moving to, where these networks ex extend to, what the mobility splits are across these networks. So many different um, insights and use cases uh, exist within the data, but also to power experiences on their mapping products or their commuter apps. Um, and then you come all the way over to the commuter, who at the end of the day is at the heart of why we do what we do. We wish to uh, change the life of the daily public transport user and give them back some dignity in, in their commute, uh, potentially uh, give them back a little bit of time on a daily basis by uh, empowering them with better information. Uh, and I think, you know, what I would love to, I wish there was an easy way to measure this, but we refer to this uh, transit anxiety or uh, uh, the uncertainty that people feel about utilizing transportation, particularly in, in these kinds of markets. And so how can our information go towards reducing people's level of transit uncertainty of anxiety? And so that, again, to that point of uh giving back dignity, um, information is actually very powerful in that way and just respecting the commuter and empowering them to make better decisions on a on a day-to-day -day basis. And so, yeah, those are the variety of stakeholders and just a few of the ways in which this data comes, you know, to have an impact uh, with those various stakeholders. And you, you just mentioned, you know, where's my transport's history and sort of the shift in focus. And do correct me here if I'm wrong, but from what I understand is that while initially you came very much from this com commuter perspective and, you know, the, the idea of providing accurate, reliable information, there was also a time or a shift when you kind of refocus on operators and cities because I'm assuming there's a lot of information on their side as well. And maybe there's bigger demand um, in terms of of direct implicate, um, implementation opportunities for them. But now you're actually going back to the roots with uh, a launch of your first consumer public transport app, which is called Rumbo. And can you maybe tell us a bit about, you know, the background, the journey and the potential of this really new project and product um, that Whereas My Transport is now launching? So we have always endeavored to change the life of the commuter. Um, I can say that, uh, and as you correctly said, like our, our journey actually started there. Uh, however, what we 
thought we could do was quite simply build a consumer application, put it out there, get information, you know, what was available uh, together and put that in the application. And that would be good enough. That would be transformative. That would help people go from A to B um, in a better and easier manner. Uh, that was not true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the reasons are, um, are complicated, but to really simplify it down, if you think of building an experience like that or building a product like that in an emerging market uh, versus a developed market, there are a few foundational layers that are absent that you can take for granted within a developed market environment that uh, within an emerging market context, you still have to lay those foundations. And what I'm referring to here is, in, you know, if I were to sort of draw it in the air, at the top of this triangle on the, on, on the sharp end, you've got the consumer application, the consumer experience. However, below that, you would need some kind of a platform, uh, a piece of technology that stitches together all of the forms of modality that exist in that market from the buses and the train to the, the walking and cycling and, you know, NMT options, uh, all the way through to informal transportation and just acknowledging how the way that it functions is slightly different. Uh, and, you know, over the last several years, we've, there's been a lot of advancement in how data can be better structured to be inclusive of all forms of these uh, trans modality. Um, however, uh, as you understand, there's also another layer, which is, well, even if you have the structure, do you have the data that can populate that structure? And so, um, you know, going down through that triangle at the very bottom, you have the data. And what our business found was before we could work on a consumer experience on, a, on improving the quality of life of the commuter, we really needed to get down to the nuts and bolts of, okay, what does the platform layer look like in a way that it stitches a journey together, it plans a journey, um, cognizant of the things that an emerging market transit user is actually considering in making their decision? Um, and I'm not going to get into it here, but the, the sort of um, hallmarks uh, and uh, determining factors that determine a decision that a person makes within uh, this transportation context are actually quite varied from the, uh, the sort of flow chart of a decision for a person that's trying to move from A to B in, in London. And so your technology infrastructure needs to account for that. And then below that is, is the data. And so we actually recognized all, all you know, good outcomes start with having good data. And so we really had to deal with the awkward uh, truth, the inconvenient truth that there is no good data to speak of, and I, I, you know, applaud many of the great initiatives that have taken place in in providing data sets for various markets. But the challenge that we ran into was a lot of these were not wholly considering all forms of transportation, so they weren't mapping out uh, the complete formal networks. They're assuming that the open data for formal networks was complete, which is uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, uh, and we can give you some incredible statistics that sort of uh, show this. Uh, then you've also got to contend with mapping out the informal networks. And then you also have to look at things like uh, all of the map layers that are missing, uh, like the walking links uh, that 
uh, indicate where NMT transportation can operate, how people interconnect uh, between one hub and one interchange um, and pass between these modes. There's all of those additional pieces of data needed to be collected up. And it's taken uh, our team and our business many, many iterations over many continents to really get to a place where we can handle the challenge that is variability. Um, uh, you know, one of the one of the great challenges we face going from market to market, and again, an inconvenient truth, people want to hear, it's the same place to place. It's like we can get the data to conform in the end to something that is the same. But the way that you get there, there is a basic recipe, but then there is also the ability to respond to what you find when you get to uh, a new city. And I think more than anything else, that's the muscle that our business and our team have built up is the ability to contend with, don't try and treat every city as the same. Don't try and treat every transit system as the same. Don't try and treat a commuter in Southeast Asia as caring about the same data attributes as a commuter in Cairo. Uh, there are so many of these uh, aspects that are different in the way that you actually need to approach the collection. But we make it look remarkably simple in the fact that we produce a consistent uh, data set that has a particular schema so that it can work with all these existing products and services at the end of the day. But the, the process of getting there actually has a wide number of things that you need to consider. And I realize, if, uh, you know, coming back to your, your point on, on Roomba, um, after tackling that data layer, as well as uh, doing significant work in that platform layer, and delivering services for various cities and governments and transport operators in numerous countries. I think uh, in the various white-label solutions we provided, we've served over 2 million commuters to date uh, pre-Rumbo. So you could say we had a reasonable amount of, uh, of experience in that, in that area. But we also came to recognize people don't need another journey planner for a day that barely ever goes to plan. And uh, that's really where Rumble was born. Rumble was born out of how do we start to give our commuters a plan B? And uh, it's a very different perspective, right? Um, when you think about every transit app across the world in developed markets, it's, it's called a journey plan. Is it's sort of alternate name. Uh, what we recognize within these markets is people aren't looking for a journey planner. They're not also looking for you to tell them the bus will arrive in seven minutes because even if you told them, they won't believe you um, because, you know, they've been proven wrong for the last multiple years or decades. So um, what people are just looking for is a better sense of information that they can rely on. And uh, what we have come to understand is much like these uh, markets are acid rich but information poor, the information is out there, but the inconvenient truth is it's in the minds of people. And so how do you start to tap into uh, that knowledge, that understanding that does live within the city and then bring it forward in a manner that is actually useful to people, not just a lot of noise like you would experience if you stepped onto social media. So, um, yeah, that has allowed us to come full circle, uh, you know, having gained the experience and earned our stripes, so to say, in the data layer, as well as in the platform lane, building out the technology to scale to uh, millions of users. We now feel confident that we are working with an informed opinion and informed insights into what is the consumer product that actually is needed by what I like to call the five-hour commuter, um, who is 
fundamentally different from the two-hour commuter or the there-and-back-again commuter that exists here in London or likely where you're sitting in Germany. Right. I think that's it's really an impressive journey that you're just describing. You know, the whole um, approach that you took to say, this is where we want to be realizing, okay, we actually have to take different steps beforehand and then going really the full mile on, you know, creating, gathering that data, figuring out, like you just described, what kind of data are people actually interested in? Do they really want another journey planner or what what is the actual demand on the ground? Um, and when you just said, you mentioned, you know, how do we get there? When I was reading a bit about the Rumbo app, I noticed that you're using something that you refer to as the social listening technology. And it's kind of came through in your answer just now, but maybe you can explain to our listeners a bit more, what is the social listening technology and why why is it crucial or maybe even different, uh, the results that you get from it than for Rumbo? Yeah, so if you think about the information that a commuter needs in order to get from point A to point B, firstly, they need to understand what, Uh, the various trip options are that they have available. So the various transit operators and their, their schedules and their frequencies. So they need to understand the transit network. And as you well know, we, and we've spoken about extensively, we map that and we keep that consistently up to date. However, there are still events and things that are transpiring across, especially these mega cities on a constant basis. And you've got tens or hundreds of these events occurring uh, on any one day. And uh, the challenge has always been, how do you get the relevant information to the person at the moment in time when they most need it? Uh, you don't really want it as the news. When you got home, you're like, oh, I wish I knew about that. I would have avoided the Southern Road out of the city. Uh, you know, in retrospect, is like, is not very useful to the human on the ground who has this five-hour commute. And so what we recognize is we need to find a way to get the information out of the minds of the city and into the hands of the citizens who need it most when they need it. And the way we've gone about that is much like uh, a process of uh, maintaining these data sets on an ongoing basis, as I referred to, we build out these networks uh, within each market. So we actually have relationships with the uh, fleet owners, with the transit operators, with the dispatchers, with the uh, station managers. Uh, we build out these uh, incredible networks uh, that are made up of people uh, and businesses, but also made up of private community groups, uh, also made up of uh, tapping into certain social media feeds and just being aware of where information is dispersed across, uh, across a market. And then doing the difficult work of aggregating all of that and then also verifying information, a little bit like a journalist, you want two to three points uh, of intersection before you go, mm, this point is valid to share. And uh, our systems, a uh, combination of systems and people are busy aggregating, uh, cross-checking, validating, structuring, and then putting out these messages. And then obviously there's a lot of technology that's going on in the background to go, well, this information is relevant to these 100 users, as opposed to just what happens in a Twitter scenario, the information goes out and everyone has to read that the Piccadilly line is delayed today, but it's actually only relevant to like 2%. Uh, and what we're doing is finding a way to get that message to the 2% and not as noise to the other 98%. Awesome. I think, I mean, it, it sounds so fascinating how you're really taking this large pool of information, even finding out where that information is placed and then really filtering it, you know, until you have the outcome that is then specifically designed for users. So 
I'm really looking forward. I'm, you're rolling out Rumbo now in Mexico City, is that correct? Uh, so we rolled Rumba out quietly in Mexico mm -hmm. City maybe six months ago. Um, right. And we're now uh, preparing to roll it out in another Latin American city. Okay. So, uh, there'll be more to come on that in uh, the months to come. And um, yeah, we're also scaling up our uh, data mapping and data collection operation to um, mega cities globally across all of the majority world Uh, regions of the world. So um, the ambition of the team is that our data sets will speak to the cities of 1 billion inhabitants uh, by the midpoint in 2023. And uh, as you know, we only work within majority world cities or emerging market cities. So it's an incredible feat to achieve. And uh, uh, I'm very fortunate to be working with a, with a team that's as impassioned as they are and as diverse as they are. I think Also within that diversity, there's incredible strength. Um, so uh, yeah, um, that's that's where we're going next. <laughs> so I definitely encourage all our listeners in Mexico City already have the chance to try out this app. Uh, I'm sure you're also happy about any feedback. Of course, we at Tumi are also interested in any you know incoming feedback on such new technologies that could be really groundbreaking for you know transforming mobility uh, in our systems uh, in our cities. Sorry, and and creating just a better um, experience for everyone, you know, encouraging them to use more sustainable modes. Like you said, um, it allows people to also connect uh, these public transport options with walking and cycling and to make it more convenient for people to get uh, from A to B. And then hopefully one of these days we can have you back and you'll reveal to us where else you're uh, dropping Rumbo and what your other plans are and we can follow up on your experience. Yeah, uh, thank you, Lena. That would be great. And yeah, hopefully even there's more uh, opportunity to work with Tumi on some of these initiatives down the track. Um, I see a lot of alignment. So, Absolutely. All right. So we'll have the next podcast on, on future um, activities and goals. Cool. Devin, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure talking to you and we look forward to Where's My Transport's further success. Thanks for having me. Cheers. As we've just heard, it requires up-to-the-hour mobility monitoring to get reliable and useful public transport information to commuters. Everyone who can, make sure to check out the Rumbo app and do let us know what your experience was. I know Devin and his team are working tirelessly to include any improvements. We hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to check out additional resources on the topic in our show notes. And as always, thanks for tuning in and hear you next time.